0: X-ray vision? It's nuts. And I honestly have no idea where my daughter got this notion that broccoli is the official food of professional
1: ballerinas.
0: (laughs) Kids, the only reason my four-year-old loves cantaloupe is because he's convinced it comes from the moon.
1: Run. Small step for man. Lots of potassium for mankind.
0: And the other day when my oldest came up to me and said, Mom, will eating peas and carrots really help me pull off a fakie frontside ollie with a twist? I look him in the eye and say, it can't hurt, honey. It can't hurt. Moms everywhere are finding creative ways to help their kids eat five servings of fruit and vegetables a day. Get ideas, get involved, get going at letsmove.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council.
2: Lonely hearted too.
3: Lord, I'm broken, disgusted. Hey, lonely hearted too. I want you to let me in your house, little girl,
1: so I can have a talk with you.
4: And a pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. This is the Shuki Wright Show, live, here on 91.5 FM WMFO, in Medford, South free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, and globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making this show part of your Monday afternoon. We come to you every single Monday, live. From 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. And it's a pleasure to be here with you again on another Splendid Monday. And I don't say that sarcastically at all. I mean, what reason do I really have to be sarcastic? It's definitely a Splendid Monday. It's beautiful out there. Yeah, it's a little gloomy and, and rainy for those who are making their evening commute back home after a long day of work. But, I mean, what do I know? What exactly do I know? But what I do know is this, we got a lot going on and a lot that has gone on in Boston sports over the last few days, and we're going to use these next couple of hours to go through it all. We're going to touch on some Celtics thoughts at some point, but it will be a mixture between local and national because after all, the World Series is starting tomorrow between the Houston Astros and and the Atlanta Braves. And in fact, that's where I am going to start the program. And if you're listening and you want to call into the program and talk to me, get off whatever you may have on your chest, whatever you may have in mind, anything, call in at 855-915-WMFO. Again, the number is 855-915-9636. That's the number to call in. And let's just get right into it. When I last spoke to you, Last Monday, a lot has changed. I mean game three of the of the ALCS had yet to be played and the Red Sox seemingly and I do mean seemingly were on their way to the World Series. But if we're gonna be completely honest, things had changed rather quite drastically. And I'm going to use the first part of the show to talk about it in in extensive detail. If you're a Red Sox fan, what went wrong in your opinion? The series ended on Friday. You've had the entire weekend to digest and to put a, a bow tie on the 2021 Boston Red Sox. You've had time to think about it in detail. What went wrong? You were up two games to one in the best of seven American League Championship Series. And it just fell apart. Sorry, could
0: you say that again? Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said.
4: I mean, Siri couldn't even hear what I just said. So I'm going to ask this question again. What went wrong for the Boston Red Sox? Well, let me first start off by asking this simple question. Where did the Red Sox leave their bats because it's very easy to point out that the Boston Red Sox stop hitting. But I noticed something interesting started to change in game three. It started in game three, in my opinion, that the Red Sox offense was starting to change in terms of its dynamic, in terms of what they were doing well early in the postseason that was starting to shift, and I'm going to tell you exactly what that was. Number one, hitting with runners in scoring position. Remember, Kyle Schwarber had that grand slam in Game Three, and the Red Sox were often running offensively. But what I also noticed was that, and I pointed this out on Twitter that the Red Sox were beginning to become a little too home run reliant. I pointed it out on Twitter, and one of the things that struck me was that ever since that game three, towards the end of game three, in the back of my mind, I was beginning to sense a shift, and that shift was how on earth are the Red Sox going to be able to sustain this type of offensive performance? for the remaining three, if not four, games. And for those who have been listening to this program and has been following me for for a while now, I have been saying that in October, the difference between winning and losing is being able to take advantage of key situations. Can you hit with two strikes? Can you hit with runners at first and second with less than two out? Can you hit with runners at second and third with two outs? Situations that absolutely matter and will absolutely determine whether you win or lose in October. And something changed in game four. Something changed in game four so much that as I was talking to people during the game, because I was I was at Fenway for games three, four, and five. I, I was at Fenway doing radio interviews for a different radio station in this market. And one thing that I pointed out was after Xander Bogarts hit that two-run homer in the first inning and the Red Sox weren't scoring, they weren't getting the long ball, I literally said, uh-oh, this is not good. Because even though, even though Zach Grinke had gotten the ball in Game Four, and let's be honest, thirty-eight years old hadn't pitched a whole lot in the la- in the second half of the season, much less in September. For that fact of the matter, you were going to entrust him to go deep into the game. So when he got yanked out of the ball game early, bullpen, my thought was, well, here's a Red Sox chance to deliver the knockout punch. This should be easy cake, right? Nope. Bullpen said, screw you. I'm shoving the baseball up your keister. You're going to choke on it just like you're going to choke on this, on this wooden lumber. That's what you're going to do. And that's exactly what the Red Sox offense did. They choked. They couldn't get the big hit. The same way they were able to hit the ball out of the ballpark with relative ease early on, they weren't able to get the big hit. And once I saw the offensive momentum shift, I truthfully knew right then and there that the Red Sox were in trouble. Now, I know Red Sox fans are listening out there, and they're like, well, what about the missed call by the umpire? Well, we can play that game and blame Laz Diaz for being the crappy umpire that he is. Sure, why not play that game? Go ahead. But, but here's the truth. This was deeper than last Diaz. This was much deeper than a last Diaz problem for the Red Sox, especially in game four. The bullpen snapped. The bullpen fell apart, especially in that fateful ninth inning. And it couldn't have happened at a worse time, but it did. It fell apart. And when it finally fell apart, the Red Sox didn't have an answer in the bottom half of that ninth inning. There was nothing else to be said. There was nothing else to be, to be done. And you got to wonder, did the shift in that series happen in game four because of that missed call? No. There were deeper issues that the Red Sox had. In that game, then there's Diaz. Last Diaz was the 2021 home plate edition of Bruce Deckinger. And for the young audience that's listening, if you don't know who Bruce Deckinger is, Google him, please. For the older audience, and I say this affectionately, not, not disparagingly or disrespectfully, you remember the 1985 World Series. Well, I'm a young guy. I didn't live through the 1985 World Series. But through my friends who are diehard baseball fans (laughs) and those who are old enough to remember, that name still rings notoriously in the annals of baseball history, particularly the World Series. He infamously blew a very obvious call in Game 6 of the 1985 World Series. Laz Diaz blew a very obvious call in game four of the ALCS. We all remember what happened. But it wasn't as simple as Laz Diaz being a bum of an umpire. But but that lies another issue for another segment. But as far as the Boston Red Sox is concerned, they lose the final two games at Fenway. Game five wasn't even really close. It wasn't close. And then game six. Nathan Eovaldi did his job. He did his part. He did all that he could to keep the Red Sox in the game. But there's just one problem. The offense just went cold. And in October... When your offense goes cold, good luck. Because this is the beautiful difference between the regular season and the postseason. The regular season, you've got days and weeks to figure it all out. October? Nope. You only got maybe a day or two, or your season's done. Why only a day or two? Because, you see... For the hardcore baseball fan, you understand that in baseball, momentum is a funny thing. It's a very funny thing. One inning, you got the momentum of a wave. Whee! We're hitting the ball. We're scoring runs. Oh, yeah. The next inning, your pitcher can't even pitch himself out of a bases loaded jam. That's October baseball. Momentum changes. And when it changes, it often yields positive, fruitful results. Or if you're the opposition, colossal damage that oftentimes you may not even be able to recover from. So, the Red Sox. Let's be honest about about something here. You could say that the Red Sox in 2021, they had a pretty successful season. Did they? Yes. I'm going to tell you exactly why. I'm going to give you two reasons. Number one, let's go back to March when we were all still doing shows from home. And I was giving you my prediction for the 2021 Boston Red Sox season. I didn't even have the Red Sox going to the playoffs, let alone going to the ALCS. In fact, I said that this team was in the midst of a rebuild. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. But we all know once the season began how things started for the Red Sox and how things went in the second half. We all know the storyline. So I'm not going to even go through all of that. But if we're going to be totally truthful with ourselves, this is a Boston Red Sox team that grossly overachieved. When I say grossly overachieved, this team wasn't even expected to even be a contender in the AL East. It was supposed to be between the New York Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. That's what it was supposed to be. But in typical Boston fashion, the Red Sox said, Uh-uh. Hold my beer, please. Did you forget about us? Hi. I'm sure you may have forgot, but we got a pretty good team here, huh? And it did. And here we are on Monday, October 25th. We are saying to ourselves, man, what a season. But what a brutal way for the season to end. But if you're a Red Sox nation, be honest with yourself. You have every single right. To be, to be happy, to applaud the 2021 Boston Red Sox, and, and you should, because here's why. The Red Sox weren't even supposed to be here. They weren't. If you told me back in April that the Red Sox would be playing all the way up to game six of the 2021 American League Championship Series, I would have looked at you and laughed in your face like, there's no way. Don't kid yourself. But they did. They did exactly what many deemed as impossible. And it was amazing to watch. Coming up next, there is a thought in my mind that I can't get out. I just can't get rid of. Because baseball seemingly has a problem. I want to tell you exactly what the problem is, and it was detected during the American League Championship Series. I'm going to tell you exactly what that is. Coming up next right here on the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. This is Shukri Wright. You are listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch Reform Radio.
5: I'm blue I've been need, I've been i
1: Pop quiz. Which is more dangerous,
6: alcohol or marijuana? Study after study, the science shows that alcohol causes much more harm to the user and to society than marijuana. So why do colleges punish students more harshly for getting caught with cannabis? Join Students for Sensible Drug Policy and give your college administrators a simple pharmacology 101 lesson. Visit www.schoolsnotprisons.com to find out if there's a chapter at your school or how to start one. Despite a decades-long drug war, billions of dollars spent, and millions of Americans locked up in prisons, drug use rates have remained relatively constant. Any economist will tell you that as long as there's demand, there will always be entrepreneurs with a supply ready to make a profit. When a drug dealer is busted, it's nothing more than a job opening for someone else to fill. This is Economics 101. Join Students for Sensible Drug Policy to help teach lawmakers this simple economics lesson. Visit www.schoolsnotprisons.com to find out more information about SSDP, if there's a chapter at your school, or how to start one. It's time to join the growing opposition to our country's failed war on drugs and start an open, honest, and rational discussion of alternative solutions to our nation's drug problems.
7: Dr. Lester Grinspoon, Associate Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry at the Harvard Medical School. Back in 1966, concerned that so many young people were harming themselves through the use of marijuana, I began to review the medical and scientific literature to help clarify the nature of this harmfulness. Much to my surprise, I discovered that it was a substance remarkably free of toxicity. In fact, it is far safer than any pharmaceutical or recreational drug. There is no record of a single overdose death from its recreational or medicinal use. Marijuana is one of the most studied substances. I believe that it is high time that this country Reconsider its stance on
2: cannabis.
4: Welcome back to the Sugar Right Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch Free Farm Radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Call into the program if you want to get in touch with me at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. It's a telephone number to get in touch with me. If you want to get in touch with me on social media, you can at Shukri Rights on Twitter. That's at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. That is, a num- that is the way to get in touch with me on Twitter. On Instagram, at Radio underscore. That's at s-w-r-i-g-h-t-s-r-a-d-i-o underscore. That's the way to get a hold of me. Now, as I teased in the last segment, getting into music break, and as well as the PSA as well, I hinted that baseball seemingly has a problem. No, we're not talking about the demographics in terms of the lack of interest from the African-American community or the fact that the games are too long or we're not talking about any of those things. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is the fact that it seems like umpires in baseball are the least penalized referees slash officials in professional sports, even collegiate sports for that fact of the matter. I, for the life of me, cannot understand why that is. I I really can't. And see, one of the big gripes that I have about baseball is that they're so stuck in this, in this medieval age thought process. well, we got to get in these guys. We got to stick to what we've stuck with for the longest of time. Being resistant to evolve and change is the surefirest way to damage your product. I mean, let's be honest. Baseball can't seem to get out of its own way. And what I'm talking about is the last day situation. Because I want people to understand that this is not – limited to just being a a Red Sox issue. This is a Major League Baseball problem that, for me, and I've noticed this over the last few years in particular, that for some reason, they can't seem to get it right when it comes to assigning umpires who are not in the bottom of the league when it comes to balls and strikes efficiency. Yes, I'm going to spend an entire radio segment talking about this because I've gotten so tired and frustrated and fed up with umpires playing a role in determining outcomes of postseason games. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. Like, if there was a time that you are going to do that, Do that in the regular season, but even then the regular season, is horrendous. I mean, go ask the, the Pittsburgh Pirates of 2011. Remember that one game in 2011 in which that the Pirates, they were in contention, they were in Atlanta. This was a very long game, an extra inning game at that, in which that a blatant call was blown at home plate, and it started a spiral for the Pirates that went on to have another losing season. During a season in which that they were en route to having a winning season for the first time since what, 1992? But that's just an example of regular season. Postseason. <laughs> I mean, the postseason has been riddled with blown call. That's nothing new entirely. But here's the problem. See, with social media today, people have a lot of time on their hands. So people went digging after game. Game four, they wanted to know about Laz Diaz. And I heard this on radio locally that when people are talking about an umpire instead of the actual game itself, know that you're dealing with a crappy umpire or a crappy referee. People don't go to games to say, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to go watch Joe, Joe Walsh or... Freaking Bruce Fleming for 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 Pete's sake. You never hear any fan say that. And if you do, ask that fan that one question. Why the hell do you care more about umpires and referees more than the actual product on the field or on the court? Why? So you go to the game just to just to root for umpires, officials? Is this what we're doing? Oh my gosh, for, for for God's sakes, get your priorities in order. But anyway, the problem that I have with Laz Diaz is this. The problem that I have is everyone knows that you have absolutely sucked. Everybody knows that you are that you are in fact one of the worst umpires in the major leagues. Your work is indicative of that. That's not my opinion. You want to go find out, go Google it. Go look at his balls and strikes ratio in terms of pitches that are in the strike zone that are called balls and pitches that are outside of the strike zone that are called balls. Pitches that are outside of the strike zone that are called strikes. Like, huh? How does this work? And if you're someone like Joe Torrey, for example, you got to be wondering, like, what 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 are we doing here? What 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 are we doing here? Why are you giving horrible umpires work during the most important games of the season? Why? Baseball just seems to have this whole ideology of, well, we got this guy going in, so sure. It's like somehow some way freaking angel hernandez has a say as to whether a runner is out at home plate when there's a there's a winning run in game 7 of the world series involved i mean seriously heaven forbid and i do mean this heaven forbid that that ever happened Because I'm going to tell you something right now, ladies and gentlemen. I and millions of other baseball fans will absolutely lose our collective minds. And Angel Hernandez is one umpire who I truly, and I do mean, I truly despise. But the system of, well, we're going to give you the worst umpires and reward them with work in the postseason, you got to stop that. Seriously, stop giving bad umpires and guys who are bad at their jobs, ability to work postseason games. The postseason games should be reserved for umpires who have done excellent work, high-quality work during the regular season, not umpires who can't tell what a ball or a strike is in or outside of the strike zone. Not those type of individuals. Those are the individuals that I absolutely want to least see on the field let alone corner balls and strikes but then don't get mad if pitchers or even hitters get frustrated because they're like what the heck is a ball what is a strike what is your what is your strike zone please elaborate for me please please like this is nothing new And, yes, there have been bad calls in baseball for years. Like, how did we even get to this point? But there is a system that I I just spent this entire segment talking about it ad nauseum, that there is something very wrong with, with the way that baseball dictates what umpires get work in what series. And it's blatantly clear to me that it's not based on who has done the best job. Because you could be a pretty crappy umpire and still get work in the World Series or in the Division Series or the wildcard game where it's one and done. Every call matters. Right? I mean, I should have to remind Braves fans of umpires were bad calls. Remember that 2012 National League wildcard game? The infield, the infield rule? Remember that? I don't think I need to remind any Brave fan, let alone any baseball fan of that, or what happened. If you got any thoughts, call in 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. We are going to step aside for another break. When we return, let's talk about yesterday's Patriots game. Because there is something that stood out to me about that game that I think that this was way overdue. I'm going to tell you exactly what was overdue for the New England Patriots in their win against the New York Jets yesterday. Coming up next right here on the Shookley Wright Show at 91.5 FM WMFO in Redford. This is Shookley Wright listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Redford live and streaming live on the TuneIn radio app globally on WMFO.org.
1: Next to me
0: I still feel Your touch in My dream, in my dream. Forgive, Forgive me my weakness.
1: Completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an
5: academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was gonna do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone.
0: At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma.
5: I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. She just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it.
0: No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
2: Came to move, 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 move. Get out the way of me. Have my crew, 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 crew. I'm in the club, so I'm gonna do, 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 do. Just what the phone came here to do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah. Cause it goes.
4: Welcome back to the Shook Your Right Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. We are approaching Monday night here in Boston, Greater Boston. And it's awfully hard to believe. And I was actually talking about this um, (laughs) over the weekend uh, with uh, with, um, my significant other. And I was mentioning that it's hard to believe that... um, in less than two weeks, that time is going to be changing. So, for those of you who pay attention to this kind of stuff, and I'm and I'm guessing that everybody should. That basically, in less than two weeks' time, you're going to be rolling clocks back an hour. Huh. How do you like those apples? I mean, it's 5.48, and I'm looking outside, and... You could see that the streetlights are on. The sun is, I mean, beginning to, has already begun to disappear. And just imagine this already. Two weeks from now, it's 4.45, and it's already sunset. And if you're Muslim, it's already time for the sunset prayer. In Arabic, we call it Maghrib. (laughs) 4.45! Your days already ending, folks. Really? Yeah. I don't know how. How do you like those? How do you like those apples? I, me, I, I, I'm not a fan of it at all. I was hoping by now that they would find a way. And when I say they, I'm talking about the lawmakers, the people who put this nonsense into action, into law, about when to roll clocks forward or when to roll clocks backwards. Like, really? Come on now. Like, is this really necessary? No. No, it's not like get rid of it for god's sakes please phone lines are open if you want to talk to me about anything and everything sports related boston sports particular 855-915-WMFO 855-915-9636 is the number to call in and we're going to talk some patriots before we wrap up the first hour of the program and patriots won yesterday they won by a whopper, a whopper of a score of 54-13. And I'll be the first to tell you, <laughs> this, this was an absolute butt-whooping of a epic proportions that was way overdue. It was. The more that you think about and you reflect on what the season has been like for the Patriots offensively so far, it's been a pretty frustrating season to say the least. I mean, goodness grief. You talk about a team that put up 54 points in a 54-13 to romp over the New York Jets. I mean, goodness grief. I was wondering if this team would ever be able to score 30 points, let alone 54. You've heard me over the last few weeks completely, you know, for lack of a better term, complain about – the offense about how they're too scared to throw the ball down the field and how they're not aggressive enough on offense they are too conservative you you've heard me complain on the show at nauseum about that you heard me do that and for me what i saw was a team that was beginning to fix its problems that it was having throughout the season in key areas You've heard me talk about the red zone offense during the last show a week ago. Coming off their brutal loss to the Dallas Cowboys a week ago. You've heard me talk about how the red zone offense has been absolutely abysmal. I mean... <laughs> I mean, yesterday, they seemed to really figure figured it out. After all, they were two for eight inside the 20-yard line when it came to getting touchdowns. And on Sunday against the Jets, the offense went six for six in the red zone. And you got to get credit where it's due. What I saw yesterday was Josh McDaniels saying, you know what, enough is enough. We need to be more aggressive. We got to attack 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 and what better opponent to do it than against the New York Jets no offense but I'm not going to sit here and rip the New York Jets being what they are that's just that's just silly but what I am going to focus on is is the offense particularly this week because this is a Patriots offense I went 4 for 7 in the red zone combined against the the Texans and the Cowboys. Previously before yesterday's game, they're getting better in the red zone. The first few weeks of the season they were absolutely brutal in that department. In the first meeting against the Jets at MetLife Stadium down in East Rutherford, New Jersey, New York metropolitan area, this was an offense that was getting to the red zone and just settling for field goals, and I was losing my collective wits that this team was finding a way to settle for field goals when they should be going for for touchdowns. But yesterday, to my delightful surprise, thank God, thank you almighty, they said, nah, we're not going to just be relaxed. We're not going to just settle, no. We're going to punch the ball into the end zone over and over and over again until you're able to just stop us. And the New York Jets, they didn't even... But you know something, though? And again, I'm giving credit where it's due. Josh McDaniels, he finally found a way to be able to spread the ball around. Even by his own receivers throwing touchdown passes. <laughs> Go ask Kendrick Bourne about that. I mean, if you're a Patriots fan, there were a lot of things that you saw in the game yesterday that I really liked. For me, it was the red zone offense, no question. Because I have been pretty harsh, admittedly, that the Patriots, they were struggling in the red zone. They were settling for field goals. They were not going for it in key situations, like going for it on, on fourth and three, like they should have against the Buccaneers, for example. They were aggressive. They were saying... Not now. We're going to start being ruthless. We're going to start taking advantage of red zone opportunities. Something that has hampered this New England Patriots offense by and large part early in the season. But they've gotten a lot better at it. And yesterday was a beautiful example of that. How could you not like what you have seen? I love it. I absolutely love it. And also, Hunter Henry, I was beginning to wonder, when at any point was Henry going to begin stepping up? Because the Patriots spent a lot of money on Hunter Henry to bring him to New England during during the offseason. And during the, in the red zone, during this season so far, he hasn't been able to step up, up until the last four games where he has three red zone touchdown receptions in the last four games alone. And also, this is coming off of after having zero red zone catches through the first three games of the regular season. So what does that tell you? There's a comfort level that is... Becoming of Hunter Henry in the red zone that McDaniel's is recognizing, and the Patriots are beginning to take full advantage of and using him as a red zone option. This is exactly what the Patriots needed. This is exactly why he was brought here. Because last season, if you remember, you got next to nothing from Devin Asiasi and and freaking and freaking uh, Izzo. You got nothing from those guys. This season, far cry of a difference. Far Cry. And I'll be the first to tell you that the Patriots, and I get that it was the Jets. I get that they were playing against a lot of backups. But the fact of the matter is this. For confidence, for getting the ball rolling, this was important. This was an important win for the New England Patriots. As they are going to be entering a stretch of games in which they're going to be playing four out of the next five games on the road. The next four out of the five games are going to be on the road for the New England Patriots. Because I'll be the first to tell you that these games are going to be rather, rather very interesting. So they got the Chargers this Sunday, they got the Panthers. On November 7th. That's um, two weeks from now. They got the Browns. That's their next home game on Sunday, November 14th at 1. And then the Patriots travel down to Atlanta on November 18th for a Thursday night game. And then also, they're also going to be home Thanksgiving weekend against the Tennessee Titans. That is looking increasingly dangerous by by the week. <laughs> I mean, goodness grief. But as I was saying, the Patriots are entering a stretch of the season in which that they are going to be facing some really good opponents in the stretch. The Chargers are one of them. And then also, not to overlook Cleveland, but the Chargers and the Browns are two teams that I do concern about, I am concerned about, especially if this Patriots team is going to make any sort of strides forward in terms of their playoff chances they are they're on the bubble right now they are on the bubble right now but these next several games are going to help determine by and large part whether this 2021 New England Patriots team is a is a playoff team or not it's going to be very interesting we are now hitting the second hour of the program. It's now 6.01 here in Medford, Greater Boston, Metro Boston. Let's pause for a few moments for station identification. You're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Hey, this is
3: Scruffy Wallace, Dropkick Murphys, and you're listening to WMFO Medford.
2: This is Steven Pinker, and you are tuned in to WMFO in Medford,
3: 91.5 FM, pure pleasure technology, Tufts Freeform and Educational Radio. Leave your kids behind, come with
1: us and find the pleasures of the journey to the center of the mind. And vegetables, 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 canned vegetables. Hey, Duncan, get over here. Need you just stay with me
3: and your brother, okay? WMFO. Hey, a little closer. Come on, help me
4: out here, buddy. Hey, Lou, what's going on? Where are you calling from?
5: Excuse me, Duncan. You're blocking me
4: out. What's going on, I want bud?
5: Some
1: baloney not today. I
5: Absolutely. Sorry. Give me
4: one second. Coming back in just a few moments, okay? Duncan. No problem. I don't
2: Hold on. Hope, no. okay. Too bad.
7: Mommy would let me. Yeah, well, she's not here. Okay? She's gone and she's not coming back, and you're just going to have to deal with it like the rest of us, okay? Duncan. I'm sorry. On May 29th, Michelle Jimenez was killed by a drunk driver. She left behind her husband and four children. Drinking and driving is a crime that kills abruptly, but the pain lasts forever. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A message from the U.S. Department of Transportation, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
4: Welcome back to the Sugar Ride Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch Free Farm Radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Hope you are enjoying yourself on this Monday evening. It was Monday afternoon, but now it's Monday night, clearly, as it has now Turn into early evening, which is hard to believe. At six o'clock, it's dark outside, but what do I know? So, we're going start to the, start the six o'clock hour talking Celtics here with you, here on 915 FM WMFO in Medford. As it is my privilege and honor to do so with you every Monday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And I'll be the first to tell you listen, as I had to adjust my headset level, for God's sakes, as I had no idea that my headphones will be this loud. I nearly blew up my e- my eardrums. Ba- bad idea. So, phone number to call in at 855 915 wmfo 855-915-9636. And the Celtics, they're coming off a big win last night against the Houston Rockets down in Houston. Listen, if you're a Celtics fan early in the season, I was going into last night's game thinking to myself, they have got to find a way to really right the ship because I have not liked... Their effort, by and large part, in the first couple of games. But, especially in the, in the game against the Toronto Raptors, their home opener on Friday night, I thought that was an absolute complete dud. I mean, holy smokes. You talk about absolutely showing no type of fight with everybody in the building, full building, full house Friday night, and the Celtics absolutely was a no-show. Call in at 855 915 WMFO, 855 915 9636. We have Lou and Everett on the line. You're listening to 915 FM WMFO. You're on the Shooker Right Show. What's going on, bud?
3: Hey, Sue. Uh, You know, I was at that game the other night, and, you know, I watched last night's game, too. Uh, you know, this team so far, it, 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 I haven't seen any changes from last season to this season. They're shooting way too many threes. They're still playing ISO ball. Uh, last night, there was some improvements with rebounding. They didn't let up twenty offensive rebounds, you know. But uh, turnovers, uh, you know, is is was bad. Uh, Toronto, they turned the ball over. Uh, I think they said they gave up twenty five points off of like twenty turnovers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they, I don't know if you heard last night. They set the record for most three point attempts in three games uh, that, than anybody other any other team ever. Oops, sorry about. That. So it's, I I, I don't know what they're doing for offense, and and you don't see a starting the starting five that they started like against Toronto. Mm-hmm. It it started with you never saw that lineup again, and it was effective at the beginning with Horford and Tatum and Brown and you know um, and uh, Robert Williams yeah. starting, and then they never played that lineup again.
4: It's, I I don't know I don't like know he's why to play eleven men like I I don't know why um, Lou like it, to me like one of the biggest problems that I've had with the Celtics early this season on is is that by and large part you really haven't seen the same consistent lineup that you're starting out games with and especially like in, in that game on Friday night against Toronto it was like they started out with 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 the lineup that you mentioned with, with Robert Williams and and as well as Tatum. Horford, Brown, but you didn't really see that for the remainder of the game. And one thing that did stand out to me um, last night was was that it just seemed as if that the Celtics were able to finally lock down defensively because the first couple of games, let's be honest, it was ugly, especially the seasoning opening game against the Knicks in which that the only reason why the, the Celtics were even in that game was because of the offensive performance of Jalen Brown.
3: I agree. I agree. Jalen carried that team that game, and, and then they really looked gassed, really looked gassed in the second overtime. They, they were just listless, and both teams weren't exactly doing well, but Tatum was ice cold. He, he couldn't have shot any worse. And then they kept putting the ball in his hands, and he wasn't passing it. He was taking a shot, and he missed, I think,
4: all five shots in the second. Yeah, like, like five. Five of them, yeah.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I get it. Tatum is, is the style of the team, and so is Brown, but I, I don't get the lineups. I don't get why we're still – like last night's game, we, they shot 40, they 47 attempts at three last night, which I have never seen that in a the game. They hit 15. That's fine. But 47 attempts? They shot Holy more three's and they did twos. Yeah, you know, you know, they only shot they shot eighty six uh, shots in the game, and forty seven of them were
4: threes. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> you know? yeah, not that's a, that's a, a, a lopsided stat. It, it really is, you know? and like one of the things that, that 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 it really stood out to me about last night's game was that it just seemed as if that that Rob Williams decided to step up in like, in his role and and I really like what like what he was able to do in the game especially um like like really doing doing a good job of, of defensively especially like also got to give credit to Grant Williams as well you know like Bobby Porter was not much of a factor in the game last night so the question I'll ask you is through three games and I know it's asking an awful lot it's only three games you got 79 games remaining in the season but if there's one aspect of the Celtics team that I am most worried about is it is particularly Marcus Smart. Because for me, I was very critical of Brad Stevens when he gave Marcus Smart the contract extension during the offseason saying, you're paying X amount of money to a guy that is very jackal and hide offensively. You don't know what you're going to get. You know that you're going you're gonna to get the effort on the defensive end of the court. But offensively, this is a guy that one night he could shoot you five threes, but he could also shoot you out of a game as well. Yep.
3: Uh, you know, he that Toronto game, he didn't even score, um, which was surprising. He had some defensive plays. But, I mean, everything went wrong in that game. But, yeah, I, I Marcus Smart, there's, some, there's a question. What's wrong with Marcus? I mean, the first game, he didn't do much. Then a, a zero points. I think he only had like eight points last night. hmm You have to say what's going on there. Also, the other thing, too, I think what made them win last night is they actually had assists last night. You know, last year, they were one of the worst teams with assists in the league. Yeah. Mostly because they shoot all threes. But last night, they actually out-assisted the Rockets. But the other games, oh, my God, it was... I mean, they were out-rebounded by plus 20 against Toronto. Toronto? (laughs) Plus 20? I mean... And they were minus like seven and assists, and they—I mean, it was just, just bad. Just. Oh bad. yeah. But it, but it looked like last year's team, like nothing changed. Like, like, and I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know. I mean, it's way too early to say to you know take yeah. a jump ball over the coach because he's only three games in.
4: Exactly, but my my but. thing, my thing, in the way that I look at it is, is that when I look at the Celtics team right now, I look at this team and say, personnel wise. Not much has changed. Okay, you brought back Al Horford. Woo, great. And then you also brought in Dennis Schroeder as well. But mm-hmm. those weren't moves that made me feel excited as a Celtics fan. If anything, my thought process was, okay, you brought back Al Horford, but the mentality of this team and I, it's only three games, but it just seemed like it hasn't changed a whole lot. Because what I'm seeing is that this is a team that's still playing a lot of iso ball. Jason Tatum, he wants to be the guy that that that, that leads and carries the offensive the offensive load along with Jalen Brown. But when you look around uh, the the other aspects of the team, like Al Horford, like what he, what can he do? Like he he can help you with the offensive like rebounds and, and also defensive rebounds as well. And when you know what. What smart's gonna give you? That's if you know. So, the one question of uh, uh, that I will pose to you is this: If you're the Celtics, there's two aspects of this team that seemingly not clicking right now. They're they're not they're not getting out of last year's mentality of pass, pass, shoot, and And as well as there are times that it seems like they are getting out offensive rebounded by their opponents, and it's frustrating to watch.
3: Well, I think both of those things are connected. The the pass-pass shooting, I'm going to say there's much less passing and a whole bunch more shooting. Right. And that's what they're doing now. You got one or two people. Anybody takes that ball up. You don't have an established point guard. Uh, You're missing a point guard. I know that Smart and and Schroeder are supposed to be your point guards, but they ain't playing point guard. No, not at all. That's that's your first problem. The second problem is the way they are running up and and just taking, popping shots. So that doesn't set any defense to get set up. And it's painful. You know, there was a couple flashes of brilliance here in in the last couple games. One with Toronto, Schroeder lobbing to Robert Williams on on a give-and-go. There was a couple of those. In each game, but I don't know why they don't try to repeat it. <laughs> just game, like, they have these offensive weapons, you have some major talent on this team, mm-hmm. but then it's like they get lazy. Let's just shoot threes. I mean, last night that they were up by 20 something points last night in that fourth quarter, yeah, and then they just started jacking threes, and all of a sudden it was a 10 point game, you know. And it should have never even been that close, and that means you had to put Tatum back in. You had to put your starters back in on a night where they have to play again tonight. A back to back.
4: Yeah, they're in Charlotte tonight to take on the Hornets, they,
3: who have not lost a game yet. Which is, you know, going to be interesting because Charlotte's playing pretty good ball.
4: Yeah, led led by their by, by their NBA um, offensive rookie or off, or rookie of the year, um, Lamelo Ball, and the thing that I look at with this team and this team, and it really makes me mad that this is a team in which that they don't, they seem like they're allergic to attacking the rim. They love to mm-hmm. settle for jump shots in it. And this was my criticism with the Celtics last season in which that, Hey, let's just play a half court offense. Oh no! Let's settle at the at the three point line. Oh man, it didn't go through. So let's just give the ball back to the other team. And this season, it seems like it's it's more of the same. And it, and again, I know we're overreacting to the three games in. Oops, I'm sorry. This is Boston after all. But <laughs> if you're talking about expectations for this team moving forward, because when I look at the schedule, this is what this is what they have coming up. They got after tonight. They got the Hornets. They got the Wizards on on Wednesday. That's a that's a game I I will I will in fact be at, and I should also mention that it's the beginning of a home and home. They got Washington on Wednesday. They, they're in Washington on on um on Sunday. No, sorry, Saturday rather. Excuse me, and and then after that, they got the Bulls next Monday at home, a much improved Bulls team, and then mm-hmm. and then at Orlando next Wednesday. So yep. They got they got themselves a little bit of a challenge like to start the season like because let's face it as much as we like to think that the Celtics will be a playoff team this year but I don't have them be any higher they may be 7th or 8th in, in the East like what are your thoughts on this team so far
3: So so this schedule gets even worse even worse further on in in, in November they, I know for a fact cuz being a season ticket holder they got the Bucks they got the Lakers Yeah I'm looking at it yeah you're right. They got. You know, they're not. They're, you you got no slouching up here. The seventy sixes. You, you you got a whole bunch of games coming up that this team could just look really bad at. So if they don't make any adjustment, and, and like we just said, it's it's this ISO ball stuff. They can. This ta- this team is very talented, and they have a whole bunch of shooters. Mm-hmm. They don't even take mid range shots anymore. You know, and I know it's part of the game and everything like that. But <laughs> you got guys who can. You know, everybody thinks their Golden State was a couple of years ago. Yeah. But this team can make a big range shots. I think they've proved it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But they they shy away. I, I don't I don't understand that part. But that being said, with your initial question, I think if it, they, they might lose theoretically more than sixty percent of their games this month, or, or should say in November. Yeah. Uh, if they play the way they've been playing, if not more. I mean, this this they win last night was was it really that they were really good or was the rockets really
4: not that good? I think it was the rockets yeah. that are not that good. I'm I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, it's, the, it's exactly it. The rockets
4: aren't really that good. Yeah, and and like you know? and and, and well, to go back to what you were alluding to, um in terms of the schedule for November, they got the they got the uh, the, the Bucks on Friday the 12th, November 12th. They got mm-hmm. the the Hawks on that's a home game. They got the Atlanta Hawks Wednesday, November 17th. And then they're home against the Lakers on November nineteenth, and they also have a home game against the on um, the Oklahoma City Thunder on November twentieth. And then, and then oh, of course they got the Brooklyn Nets at home. Kyrie will see if he comes back or not on November twenty fourth against the Brooklyn Nets. So you're right, this schedule does get really gritty and and meaty in November. So they they need to start. They really gonna have to really. Win these, these next uh, three games in order to not put themselves in an early hole to start the season.
3: Yep. And it doesn't get much better, for, to be honest with you. December is just as bad. The Celtics' front half of their schedule is probably the hardest front half of any schedule I've seen. And I've been a it taken over for a number of years. Their front half, they still, the December, they got the Warriors, the 76ers mm. twice, the Bucks again, the Nets again. Yeah. And the Nets uh, on the, the 18th. Knicks. Yeah. Yep, the Knicks. you got the Suns on New Year's Eve, the Clippers. It doesn't get any easier, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, so I think that they're going to be – they're going to they're get trial by fire. It's it's right off the bat. They have to get out and run. And this is the other thing. This team is a running team. They're fast. Shorter is fast. These yeah. guys are fast. Mm-hmm. They should be going to the basket. Why are we getting beat on fast break points? Especially Peyton right?
4: Pritchard. This is starting to piss me off.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it, I know Pritchard is a shooter, but the kid is fast and he can drive to the basket. They'll play him. I, I I don't know that they, they didn't play in the, against the Toronto. They didn't play Naismith. Give the kid some chance. Which is shocking
4: because you would think that like especially with like a guy like Aaron Naismith and with, with his skill set that he he would be playing um like against against a guy like like Bam Adebayo buyer, for example. It's just it's frustrating to say the least. I mean, some of a personal decision that that he's talent. made.
3: They got the talent. Richardson came out and had a big night. They got the talent, but I don't know what they're waiting for. It's like lazy offense. Let's just go up, shoot a three, and if we get a rebound, if if we shoot a three, more than likely three of those guys aren't even past mid-court yet, and and so there's nobody rebounding. You might as well just give that up. you (laughs) Uh, You know what I mean? And that's what it was last night. They literally did that in the fourth quarter. They took... I think at one point they took six consecutive back-to-back threes and missed all of them, and that just put, you know, all those points they gave them right back up by like 22 and gave it all back. You can't, you can't do that. You're not going to get very far. And and the worst part is there's going to be teams that are going to be faster and younger and, and out for more blood. And you know, it's we haven't seen what the NBA has yet to hold. Obviously, the Lakers and Mets are. Um, I don't know what they're doing, but. The Celtics, uh, they should be able to get by this curve if they don't act lazy. You know, it's lazy offense. Lose a shoot. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I thought I must
4: do there for a second. No, 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 you're good. There was another caller that I was calling in. I was trying to clear that out as well. But go ahead. Okay.
3: So I, I think that you know this team, this team has the potential. They just, I, I they got to change it. The, they got to change the attitude. No more iso ball. No more, no more doing what they've been doing. I, I
4: mean,
3: I, I don't know how you change that.
4: Do, do you, These do, guys are setting their way. Do you think that 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 Ime Oduke is going to have to work? A lot this season to try to change that mindset because that's been the mindset for the last couple of seasons, even, even going back to when Kyrie was, uh, was here during his final season as a, as a Boston Celtic during the 2018 19 season.
3: I, I think he has to. I don't know what he does to do that. Obviously, we've already seen him bench a player for arguing with the refs, we've seen him suspend Marcus Smart yeah. for missing a plane. So, so that's different culture right there. You know, this is a coach that worked with Pop. You would think that he would have more priority, mm-hmm. and maybe this is just starting to get established. But uh, if he gets, lets these guys run amok and do what they want and do their own offense the way they've been doing, uh, he got to step in and say, listen, if you're not going to do this, I'm going to just sit you down. It doesn't matter if it's Tatum. It doesn't matter if it's Brown or Smart. You've got to get the offense clicking the way it's designed, not just go up and run up and whoever has a free shot, shoot it. <laughs> yeah you know even if it's a bad shot.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's one of those um, It's one of those things where where like I think the culture changed and that's part of the reason why they brought in um, Odoka because they felt like listen Brad Stevens they didn't want to have the guts to say that they actually fired the guy. I mean let's let's be honest I mean, I've been mm-hmm. preaching this for For months at a time. Like they didn't decide that they're going to smoothly transition Brad Stevens to the front office role, a role that he's never had in his career, or that Danny Ainge was just gonna silently bow out into retirement. That's not what this was. This this was we're gonna fire you, but we owe you a lot of money, so we're gonna keep you in a front office role and hope that you'll actually exceed in that role. And I mean, mm-hmm. well we'll we'll see how that that pays off, Lou. I want to say uh simply thank you uh for for calling into the program. Much appreciated, my friend.
3: Thank you. Great talking to you as always.
4: Absolutely my pleasure. And that was that was my good friend uh Lou, Lucky Lou. Um if you've been to the garden, if you've been going to Celtics games for for quite some time, you've seen him around. Uh quite a fixture at at the garden, um at Celtics home games and whatnot. Uh, he just joined the program just to call and offer some thoughts on the on the Boston Celtics so far through the first three games of the regular season. We got another one coming up in a little more than a half hour from now where the Celtics, they are going to be in Charlotte, taking on a 3-0 and Charlotte Hornets. So we're going to go on a music break. And before I do, I absolutely want to take a, a moment to acknowledge an interesting moment that took place over the weekend. Um, Tom Brady, through his 600th career, passing touchdown in the regular season in yesterday's game against the Chicago Bears. I mean, that was really, I mean, it's just amazing. I'm just trying to find the right words to really describe just how monumental this is. I mean, for a guy that has had the success that he's had over the last 20 plus years, Seasons is truly amazing. 600 regular season passing touchdowns. We obviously know all about the Super Bowls and the playoff records and all that fun stuff, but just want to take a moment to quickly acknowledge that feat. And we're going to go on a music break now. And when we return, there was a moment that absolutely bugged the living heck out of me from that same game between. The Bears and the Buccaneers. I want to tell you exactly what that was, and why we need to have a conversation about that. Coming up next, right here on the Shook Wright Show on ninety-one point five FM WMFO in Medford. This is Shukri Wright. You're listening to ninety-one point five FM WMFO in Medford, Touch Free Radio.
2: Like <ocide caloroutez> at top. Look at her dancing, just take it Oh, Let's paint the town, we'll shut it down Let's burn the roof, and then we'll do it again Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it And do it, and do it, let's live it up. And do it, and do it, and do it, do it, do it Let's do it tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good good night. i feeling. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good good night. That tonight's the night. A feeling- Quer- death, Let's live it up. Let's
1: live it up. I got, I got my money.
2: My Let's spin it up. Let's spin it up. Go out and smash, smash it, like on my god, like on my god. Jump out that sofa, come on. Let's get get off it. Fill up my cup, drain Mazel talk. Look at her dancing, move it, move Just it. take it off Let's paint the town, paint the town. We'll shut it down, shut it down. Let's burn the roof, and then we'll do it again. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And do it, and do it, let's live it up and Do it, and do it, and do it, do it, do it, do it. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, do it, do it, do it. Here we come, here we go, we gotta rock. Easy come, easy go, now we on top. Feel the shot, body rock, rock it don't stop.
1: How do you dispose of cigarettes? Well, this part of plants.
2: Really? Fertilizer and dried plant roots can catch fire. Trash cans okay? Please. All that trash can easily catch fire. So off my porch is a bad idea. Cigarettes tossed into mulch, leaves, and grass start many fires. Fire can grow up the side of a building before anyone notices. Fine. Bucket of sand? That's perfect. Put it out. All the way. Every time. To learn more, go to mass.gov DFS.
4: Do you love classic rock but hate the lack of variety on classic rock stations? Then tune in into classic rock mine. Classic rock mine delivers classic rock that rocks from bands you know like Grand Funk Railroad, Mott the Hoople, and Uriah Heep, to bands you don't know like the Flower Traveling band, Popo's Blues and Nectar. Classic rock mine. It's the best classic rock you've never heard. Saturday nights from 9 to 11 on 91.5 WmFO Medford. Tufts University Radio.
8: Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Because we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home. Tell me where. And you know that you want to stay Close the blinds, let's pretend that the time has changed Keep our clothes on the floor, open up champagne Let's continue tonight, come on, celebrate That's how we do. Sometimes you gotta stay, in. You gotta stay in. And, you know and you know where I live Yeah, you know, you know what we is Sometimes you gotta stay in Welcome to my Shout to you know what's in my glass.
4: Welcome back to the Shook Rewrite Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. It's us, Free Radio, streaming nationwide on the tuning radio app and globally on WMFO.org. The number to call in, as always, is 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. Our number two of the program is already well underway. Already had a caller in this this one already, and a caller who called a few minutes ago wondering if he – uh, could pass along a text message to a host who hosted the show previously uh, before I did. Something about Ivanka and I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, well, I don't know. Had no idea. So told him to basically just try to shoot him an email or something. I, I don't know his contact information at all. So, But either way, while we still got the chance, got roughly about 20 minutes or so in the program left but I want to have an opportunity to talk about this particular story that I saw that absolutely has really rubbed me the wrong way and it's and it's like it's like basically when people are in certain positions in life or in their career that they feel that certain aspects of dignity and respect goes out the window like, are you kidding me now, for all of you that know, and when you're when you're in the radio and television business, you talk a lot for those of you that listen to my program or listen to the show, however way you consume it, know that I talk a lot, this is what I do. this is my career cool, but in no way shape and form, do you ever and i mean. Ever Allow yourself to go into areas in which that, listen, this is not appropriate. This is not okay. Like Tony Romo, for example, like, listen, I was never a fan of the guy when he was the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I wasn't a fan of his. As a broadcaster, I thought that he's done some really good on-air work when he first debuted with CBS in 2017, but for some reason this season, I don't know why, maybe it's just me or my personal feelings towards him, but I feel like his work has become less and less enjoyable. And on Sunday, between the the Buccaneers and the, and the Chicago but on Bears, rather, excuse me, Tom Brady, as we talked about a few minutes ago, 600th career passing touchdown. First quarterback in NFL history to reach that number. And it's incredible, flat-out incredible, the way that I the way I think about it. And I mean, for, for whoever you're a fan of, whether you're a Pats fan, Buccaneers fan, or even a Tom Brady fan, listen, let's be honest. 600 is a pretty big deal. But Tony Romo, and I I know millions of people who may have caught, like, the broadcast on CBS. Like, Tony Romo was just very cringeworthy. Like, like, flat out, Cringe-worthy in every sense. It was just gross. Very gross. And let's... I want to see if I can try to pull up this clip here. Because this did not sit well with me. I I want you to listen to this. Before I go on my whole tangent and everything else. And I just think that, well... Perhaps this is not the most appropriate. Like maybe not the best of ideas. But I am going to I'm going to sit here and see if I could try to like pull this thing up. Here's the clip. Looks like this is it here. Yes, it is. And this is what it no, this is not it. No. Mm-mm. But basically I'm gonna give you exactly what happened. And essentially, essentially, like what Tony Romo said was, this is the quote. Here it is. A date with Giselle. A date with Giselle and I'm in. Romo says, pretending to be a fan. Okay, Tom, we'll do it. One time, you got it. Romo continues, now voicing the Bucks official. Like, I mean, basically, in the most simplistic way I could put this, the fan was given the 600 touchdown pass to um he was giving it to the fan like Mike Evan had caught it, gave it to the fan, ran off blah blah blah. Buck's official wanted to get the ball back from that fan. And Tony Romo was negotiating on TV, acting as if he was the guy that was trying to get the ball back and so forth. And it was just like, are you kidding me? So you decide that using his wife, his lawfully legal, legally wedded wife, as some sort of, hey, if you give him the ball back, you can go on date with my wife, like, See, this is beyond sports. Now, when another man who happens to be married uses another man's wife as a joke, especially in this crude manner, no, this isn't being politically correct or cancel culture coming for Tony Romo. This is just levels of disgusting. Like, really, how would you like it if someone said, hey, I caught Tony Romo's 300th career touchdown ball. I got it. Oh, man, I got it as a souvenir. And you had the broadcaster say, hey, if you get the ball back, you, you can go on a date with Tony Romo's wife and, you know, go to town on her, if you know what I mean. like, Like, how disgusting can you be as an individual? Like... You could have thought a million of other things. Heck, I'm going to take the role of Tony Romo right now. I'm going to pretend that I'm the guy who's the commentator on CBS calling the game with Jim Nance. Oh, my God. I got the ball. Hey, bud. Hey, so the ball was accidentally given to you uh, by one of our players, and Tom Brady wants to have that ball as – as a as a as a commemorative uh, gift. Oh man, really man, I was really looking forward to keeping this ball. Listen. What would you like? Because Brady's willing to give you a signed autograph, tickets to game. Just wanted to negotiate with you. Okay. Uh I would like to have a signed helmet, a couple of signed jerseys. You know, maybe just maybe just some some bread, some cash. Okay we can work on that you could have even thrown in maybe just maybe some clam chowder since he used to play in new england but to use his wife as as even a, a negotiating tactic like hey you can go out to dinner with my wife only one time like how bleeping gross How gross can you honestly be? If someone ever did that with my wife, frankly, I'm going over to the man's place. I'm going to personally punch him in his face, then put him in a chokehold. Because there are some territories that as a man, you just don't cross into. That was one of them. Even if you have a relationship with Brady, there's some things that are just flat out absolutely inappropriate. So now, Giselle to you, Tony Romo, is just someone who happens to be like a, a basket of bread rolls. You just pass around at Thanksgiving. Hey, ma, let me get, let me get a, a serving of that stuffing. She w- want some of them rolls with that? Like, really, this is what we're doing now. Okay, Tony, here's what we're going to do. Since your last name alone is already a punchline of jokes, and I'm not going to even go any further than that, how about we use you as some sort of a punchline in terms of a negotiating joke that went afoul on national television? But see, if I did that, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair right now. So I'm not even going to go any further than that. But there are some lines that, that are that you just don't cross. Joking about another man's wife. Saying that. I want to read you the quote again for those who just joined. The CBS cameras. I'm going to read, I'm going to read you an excerpt from the article that was written on Yahoo Sports. I'm going to give credit to Shalise Manza Young, who wrote the column. Earlier today, it was published around a little bit after 3.30. The CBS cameras, of course, caught the exchange, and commentator Tony Romo offered this creepy narration on what was being said. A date with Giselle. A date with Giselle, and I'm in. Romo says, pretending to be a fan. Okay, Tom. Tom will do it. One time, you got it. Romo continues, now voicing the Bucks official. I'm sorry, how dare you? How dare you? Because you thought about it. You absolutely thought about it. And don't sit here and tell me, he's worked hundreds of games. He's going to say something stupid. It's not that big of a deal. Actually, it's a pretty big deal. Because in a way, this is how you start the perpetuation of red culture in this country. Even worldwide. But I'm talking about here in the United States of America in particular. This is how it starts. An innocent joke. Oh, it's no big deal. It's harmless. While you are objectifying woman in the process. Lovely, isn't it? I'm sure Mr. Romo would would not like for his wife to be objectified, right? Would he? I don't think he would. So what makes it okay to say that his wife... Would be some sort of a some sort of a package deal if you give back the six hundredth touchdown pass ball back to Tom Brady. I mean, there's a lot of things that are cringeworthy, but this is absolutely one of them. It's cringeworthy as hell. Like, oh my! I want to pull up. Oh man. There's a lot of articles that are out there right now that are that are basically like laying into the guy. And frankly, I don't blame them. Like one bit. Like goodness grief. I mean, ugh. There are some things you just do and you should not do. And this this is this is one of them. This is certainly one of them. I mean, it's it's just grotesque. <sighs> got a few minutes left here in the program and we're going to step aside for just a few moments coming up next final thoughts here in the program you're listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Tush Reform Radio streaming nationwide on the tune in radio app and globally on WMFO.org We Welcome back to the Shook Right Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Tush Reform Radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on wmfo.org. Got a few minutes left in this program as coming up just shortly after this program concludes it is Black Stripes or White Keys that's going to be following after this program with Trisha and Kayla. That's from 7 to 8 right here on 91.5 FM. WMFO. And number we'll calling. If you want to offer your final thoughts or anything like that. 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636. Final thoughts brought to you by yours truly. Shukri right here. 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Now, with the Red Sox season officially done. And... The World Series starting tomorrow. And I didn't even get the chance to get to this particular topic, but I'm going to use this um, time to talk about it anyway. The Atlanta Braves, the team that I am rooting for to win the World Series against the Houston Astros, they are in the World Series for the first time since 1999. It's awfully hard to believe that it's been that long, but yes, it has been that long. And the last time they got to the World Series, they lost in four games, got swept by the New York Yankees, who were in the midst of their dynasty at the time. You know, it's funny because me and my brother earlier, we were talking about this. And one of the things that we talked about was the fact that the world has practically eaten itself inside out. We're not, you know, we, don't, we don't mean that literally, obviously. Since 1999, meaning that the world has is completely, utterly different. It's not the same at all. I mean, everything that for, for those of us who are old enough to fully remember what life was like in 1999, myself included, because I'm I was I was in third grade. Um, remember that it really was a very simple, a very simple time in our life, really very simple times in the world, especially here in the United States in particular. Very innocent time at that. And I remember. Back then when the when the Braves last made it to the World Series very different time so one thing that we talked about and I wanted to use this time to talk about briefly is how much has life changed since the Braves last played in the World Series last World Series game that they played was October 27th 1999 that was game 4 guess what happened and guess what um guess what was going on back then Because I know there's quite a few people who are listening to this program or or will listen to this program later that are like, what on earth happened in 1999? Well, let me tell you. Number one. The mayor of Boston was Mayor Menino, the late mayor, Thomas Menino. That's number one. Number two. The president of the United States of America was Bill Clinton. He was near the end. Of his second term as president. That's number two. Number three. You remember Backstreet Boys? NSYNC? Oh yeah, those were those were the bands. The pop bands that sent teenage girls of 1999 absolutely crazy. And let's be honest, if you were born, let's say, roughly 1993, 1994, and before, you know what I'm talking about. Just nod your head and agree. You know exactly what I'm talking about. NSYNC and Backstreet Boys had your heads bopping up and down, going crazy on a Friday night with your friends. If you had your little sleepovers and you were popping in video cassettes, VHS. Yes, oh, by the way, 1999, when the Braves last played in the World Series, VHS was still a thing, and DVDs were still a couple of years away. You want to talk about feeling old. I feel old. (laughs) Man, oh, another thing, by the way. For you you millennials, and I mean the ones that are what, 22 and younger, we had a thing called dial-up in 1999 there was no high-speed internet there was no dsl that wasn't a thing yet if you use the internet if you're at home and your parents had to use the phone you were told to get off the phone that's that's what happened yes that happened in my childhood i can remember the countless times that my my mom and my dad would yell at me get off the phone because they had to to use the phone, and I was on the internet. And the internet would disrupt that. But technology evolved. And so many things have evolved since the last time the Atlanta Braves were in the World Series. And it's just amazing to think how much the world has changed. And then, oh, by the way, lastly, the original Twin Towers of the World Trade Center were still standing the last time the Braves played in the Fall Classic. October 20th, 7th, excuse me, 1999 was the last World Series game that the organization had played in. Game one of the World Series tomorrow night. Astros, Braves in Houston. Game one, 8.09 Eastern, Fox. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Shook Rewrite Show. Here on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford. It's been a blast here the last couple of hours talking sports. Had a call on the program earlier today. Pleasant surprise, always appreciated as always. Pumped for the next show here on these airwaves. Follow me on social media at ShukriWrites at S H U K R I W R I G H T S. Follow me on Instagram at S Writes Radio underscore. That's the way to follow me on social media. This is Shukri Writes. It's been my pleasure. I'll be back here with you again next week. And hopefully, sometime before then, filling in or whatnot. But either way, you are listening to ninety-one point five FM WMFO in Medford, touch reform Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org.
1: You are listening to WMFO in Medford. <laughs>
3: Welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear, filling in for Smokey on his birthday. Because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Just look at the news. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless. And I'm not just talking about obvious things like campfires or letting your totally sweet nephew, Francis, play with magic.